Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. The Annie Fry Show YouTube live chat poll of the day is sponsored by Ruler Foods. Low prices, no coupons. Ruler Foods. That is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank God someone here knows what they're talking about. That's us. That's right. Gotta love this American ride. All right, you need to take the time and get the full picture. I mean, they rev my engine, but they don't belong in the newsroom. It is Anchor Man, not Anchor Lady. What do you want from me? I'm not a married sweetheart. Goodness sake, kid. Keep your voice down. Your father's listening to the radio. I'm not married sweetheart. This is the Annie Fry Show. We are not looking for a world around. We are not seeking a conflict with the regime uh, in a military way. Um, and as I said in the, in the opening, we're not, uh, we're not looking to escalate here. This attack over the weekend was escalatory. Make no mistake about it. And it requires a response. Make no mistake about that. I will not get ahead of the president's decision making. That's John Kirby speaking right there. And he says, you know, it's good. It makes you feel better, right? We're not seeking a conflict with Iran. It sure looks like Iran is seeking a conflict with the United States of America. Now there's American blood spilled. I don't know what to make all of this. I know a lot of people are advocating for the ineptitude of the Biden administration and their decision-making capabilities right now. I think there's a lot of context to that as well. But this is why we bring our friend Jim Carifano onto the show. He's the senior counselor to the president and E.W. Richardson Fellow for International Engagement at the Heritage Foundation. Jim, welcome back. As usual, so much to talk about with you. Yeah, so, um, okay, so let's assume that if you're listening to the Annie Fry Show, you realize that everything you just heard is absolutely completely out of the mouth of yahoos, and, and there's nothing even there worth talking about. But the, the Biden administration is completely factless and deer in the headlights and completely useless on this and actually created the mess we're in. Okay, so we all agree on that. So let me talk about the two things that maybe your, your listeners don't necessarily kind of think about as they hear people argue about this thing. Um, the first one is this kind of false notion between your choices are do nothing or, you know, a tit for tat response or, you know, start World War III and bomb Iran, right? And because these are kind of cartoonish, these are your only choices. And that's, that's absolutely not true. There, there is, there's lots of things between just, well, we, if we shouldn't be there in the first place, we just pull everything out, right, run away, 
or okay, well we'll just we'll just tap them on the you know on the back of the hand, so maybe they won't kill as many Americans next time. Or you know people would say, oh, it's time to bomb Tehran or bomb this or bomb that, and it's just bomb here. Um, so so if you want to do something that is serious, what do you do? And this is the other I think people have to is you don't necessarily think in symmetrical terms. You know, they slap us, we slap them. They kill somebody, we kill somebody. Now, don't get me wrong. We should absolutely go out and kill and obliterate anybody attacking Americans. Mm. That, that's not even a question, right? That's, that's not even up for debate. That should have happened three days ago, right? That should have happened bef- the first time somebody shot an American, we should have just killed them. So that's, you know, bad on us. But, but that's not going to stop Iran this is the other thing I was saying is if you want your enemy, you want to get your enemy's attention, you hold at risk the things they hold dear. Anybody that ever watched a mafia movie knows this, right? <laughs> so you, we sure we can go in and obliterate all these surrogates, but Iran doesn't care. They'll just buy more surrogates. And so what do you hold? What, what can you put at risk that the regime fears? And this, so for example, this is what Trump did when he killed Soleimani. This wasn't kind of a tit for tat thing. He went out, he found the number one guy leading the attacks on Americans, and he killed him. And then he said, I have just killed this guy, and I will kill anybody else who tries to replace him. Yeah. That, that the Iranians took seriously. Now, again, it doesn't, we're going to kill people. I get that. But it, but it doesn't have to be, how do you get Iran's attention? And there, I think, is you have to start taking away the things that they really value. All their money, mm-hmm. um, their, their ability that the regime is secure and they don't have to worry about people overthrowing their own regime. These are the kind of things that will get their attention. Uh, and we're, we're not seeing that. We're unlikely to see that. We're speaking with Jim Carifano. No, you, you're saying that the things that they value money and the secure regime, it seems to me like the Obama administration and now the Biden uh, part due of the Obama administration have have given like we, we've provided that security to them exactly we gave them a hundred billion dollars we created this mess and now we're saying oh well if we if we if we if we push on them too hard we might make them mad right this is this is nonsensical i'll give you a good analogy um we were once during the cold war um we were planning our um response and and i was a nuclear target i said so well, we're going to take out all the intermediate range russian nuclear weapons and on my counterpart, I want to tell you who it was. It was this German guy who said, "Oh, we can't do that because if we do that, we might make the Russians mm. mad." And I'm like, "You don't get this, do you? Yeah. These are people that respect force. If you restrain your use of force, it only means one thing from them: either you're a coward, or you or you don't have the capacity to hit me back." Uh, I so okay. We know what causes Iran to feel unstable, and it, how we can right. keep them. B- on their heels. And that's the Trump method, it seemed like, and the opposite of the Obama and Biden uh, method. What is what is Iran's if they were to write down what victory looks like for them? I think that's important to understand, too. They're using surrogates to destabilize all sorts of different regions in this world. But what is the ultimate goal of Iran with these activities? That, that is a brilliant question. And that's the second time today I've been asked that question. So good for you for asking exactly the right question. Um, here's, eventually, here's what Iran wants. The first thing they want is they want the United States to leave the region. Because the United States is really kind of the guarantor of security and stability in the region. The region and as being? Long as, the, the Middle East, right? The and as long world. as everybody else feels 
that the Middle East is, is relatively stable and they don't have to worry about, then, then they're not going to do what Iran wants. So the first thing they want is the United States to leave. Then what they want to do is to use their power and influence to cow everybody else and let them do what they want. And then they will focus the entire Arab world on the destruction of Israel. And having accomplished that, they will then turn around and they will tell the Arab world, you know, we led the destruction of Israel. Now we are going to become the new caliphate. And so they are going to fulfill a historic mission. So if you go back and you read, I mean, there's no difference between Adolf Hitler and Mein Kampf and, and the mullahs and, and the regime in Iran. If you read the root of the Iranian revolution, the, okay, the only purpose of the Iranian state is to protect the Iranian revolution. And the function of the Iranian revolution is to reestablish the caliphate. So that's, that's it. That's what this game's all about. Is it? Okay, so we've got an election in November. There's a lot of political spin around this, and I know that they will take even a flavor of ice cream and it, try to turn that into a political this or a political that. So I try not to listen to the politicos talking about this. But if if we get, uh, this is something I said to Brad a little bit earlier in the show. I mean, we could be technically minutes from a World War III, it feels like. Maybe that's a ridiculous statement, Jim. You can tell me. But what happens if we do engage in actual back-and-forth conflict with Iran, and then we have a, an administration change in November. How do those things get handled? Well, I, I, you know, again, I'm in the camp that thinks it's unlikely to evolve into World War III, you know, for a couple of reasons. First of all, n nobody really wants to directly fight a war with the United States. I mean, Iran saw what happened to Iraq when they directly fought a war with the United States. It wasn't it's still not a happy place, right? The other thing is, is it's very, very difficult for us in Iran to fight a war. How do we do that? We are not going to put boots on the ground in Iran the way we did in Iraq. I mean, we, we don't have them, and none of our friends and allies have them. So there's no way we can actually decisively defeat Iran because we'd have to go in there and, I mean, we could, you know, blow, blow stuff up, but that's not going to be any more decisive than the Russians blowing stuff up in Ukraine. Um, what are the Iranians going to do, invade the United States? So we, so we really don't really have the capacity to fight a big war with each other that's that in any way is decisive. So I, so I just don't think that's very likely. I, I think the more likely scenario is Iran, it, you know, Iran bleeds this. I mean, it's a terrible metaphor, but bleeds this for all it can get. And, and as I've told you before, you know, for me, the nightmare scenario is what the Iranians, because the Iranians literally are ready to announce that they're a breakout nuclear power. They, all they have to do is use the chaos, even use the threat of Americans or American retaliation or something. And they'll just go, oh, you know, the, the, the neighborhoods in chaos, we're just going to declare nuclear status. The, Biden's not going to do anything. And so we'll turn around and whoever the president is in January is going to walk in the door with Iran being a declared nuclear power and U.S. policy being, well, we can't accept Iran as a nuclear power. And But the one thing I'll tell you is not only will this president never start a war with Iran, a president that walks in the door in January, he's not gonna, they're not going to start a war with Iran either. I mean, it seems as though the president, pre oh, I should say President Trump, he understood that enriching the Iranians was not a way to make America secure. Right. And so he pulled back on that in a really impactful way. Right. Can he just go back in and do no, that on late. day one? No, no, it's it's too late. they've already done it. It's, it's literally the Biden strategy was to give matches and gasoline to the arsonist wow. as a way to prevent the arsonist from doing arson. Too late. It's already happened. They've got, 
whether Iran declares nuclear status or not is a political decision, not uh, really? um, not, well, not it's not a, you know they, yeah they can do this. It's a political choice. It's not about well they have to wait till they get enough stuff to do it. They've got all the stuff they need to do it. Um, what you have to do is make that political choice totally unpalatable for them. Yeah. That, and that's what I think the last administration was willing to do, and this one is actually not. I mean, the, I mean, Iran, like Russia, like China, they were, they don't they don't pay attention to what you do. They pay what you say. They don't pay attention to what you say. They pay attention to what you do. And if they fear you, they will back off. If they don't, they will run amok. That's the way the rules are. The game are. Last question for you. You're speaking with Jim Carafano with the Heritage Foundation, our go-to expert on all things foreign policy. I just want your reaction to Senator Lindsey Graham's tweet. He said, "Hit Iran now, hit them hard." What do you think about that? Well, here's the problem. But the problem here's the problem. And I, well, I don't love Lindsey Graham. I think he's wrong on most foreign policy things. Okay, then what? I, Lindsey Graham feels better, and there's a bunch of holy smoke in Iran. But, but how does that end things? Because you, because Iran will just rebuild. And so it, that's not going to that's not going to stop this. It's it's they have to fear their survival as a regime. And they know if just a couple of bombs are not going to be the end of this, you're not going to bomb your way out of this, just like the Russians can't bomb their way into Ukraine. And so it's a it's a impulse without a strategy. That's mm. it's like the guy who, you know, says I, I, nobody's going to treat me like that. And he runs into the bar and he punches the biker in the middle of the face in a room full of bikers, right? Yeah. That, and, and, and that's, that's an impulse, right? It's not a strategy. That's a great, great analogy. Uh, you know, we always love talking to you, Jim. And Unless you're Jake Glendon Hall, I guess. In Roadhouse <laughs> or something. I want to talk to you again soon about the southern border because it, there's so much to talk about there. We'll get to that next time. And we always appreciate you coming on with us. Good to talk to you, Jim. I love the show. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Uh, love Jim Carafano, too, as well. I always like it when he says I ask brilliant questions because I know that I am punching way out of my way class <laughs> in those conversations. My questions to him, a lot of times I ask questions of people who we have on the show, and they pretty much know what the answer is going to be. Um, when I'm asking Jim Carafano, especially because I, I trust him in our exchange of conversations, I know that he has expertise that he is lending us when he comes into the show. My questions to him are genuine questions where I just lean in and wait for him to provide the answer because I'm learning right along with you. Always great to have him on. Let's take a quick break. Congressman Mike Boss is going to be with us. We're going to talk about the back and forth. Uh, those president, those words from President Biden, he's, he's very adamant now. That thing going on in the southern border, he just wants the uh, Congress to give him the power to enforce federal immigration law. Hmm. I think there's a civics lesson uh, in need here, especially because that power that he's said he doesn't have and is waiting to get likely from only the Republicans in Congress. Boy, how politically advantaged uh, is that? He sure was using that power quite a bit with the executive order in his first hundred days to undo every Trump policy that existed on the southern border. And look where we are right now. It's a, it's a pretty easy question to answer. But as far as the congressional battle goes, Congressman Mike Bost discusses with us next on The Andy Fry Show. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. 
Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainor, L. King, The King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. I hold myself, my campaign, and my position to the highest levels of integrity. I also believe in transparency, which is why I can confirm that the Department of Justice is reviewing my campaign spending on security services. So that was Corey Bush, uh, local representative here in St. Louis, on the breaking news today that she is under investigation over alleged misuse of security funds. This is kind of breaking news, uh, not why we are having our next guest on, but I'm going to ask Congressman Mike Bost if he would like to comment on his uh, co-worker there's latest investigation neighboring district to Mike Bost's Illinois 12th district. Welcome back to the show. It's good to have you. Good to be on. It's good to be on. Uh, yeah, you know, we'll let the FBI, this is the FBI investigation. They came out, uh, well, and then she has admitted that they are, she's under investigation by the FBI. Uh, understand that this is not the first time this has been questioned. It was questioned uh, back and brought to the Ethics Committee. Now, let me tell you that the Ethics Committee uh, made a unanimous vote, both bipartisan unanimous vote, that uh, there was nothing uh, to the allegations of misuse of funds. Now, understand the ethics committee can talk about taxpayers' funds. So they didn't find anything, or if they did, uh, she was cleared by them. But this is a completely different thing. It's with the FBI's investigation. I don't know, you know, what they're actually looking into. She's denied doing anything illegal. Well, see how this plays out. I've seen people that have been accused of things and and, um, that – it comes to fruition that it is true, and I've seen people accused of things and come to, but to the end of it all, and, and there was no there there. Um, you know, I can – and I, you can list out that right. back and forth. So, you know, I mean, she's she's – admitted she's under investigation, so we'll see where it goes. Yes, we will. Uh, Let's shift gears here a little bit. The House is officially filing paperwork, as I understand it, in the impeachment of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. And then in addition to that uh, piece of business that would fall uh, near your your plate, your ability to vote on Mm -hmm. that, I want to play for you in the the same vein of the border crisis – uh, President Joe Biden's words here, he's he's asking you for something here. Listen to this. With executive authority, is there more you could do? That's not all I can do. Just give me the power. I've asked for the very day I got in office. Give me the border patrol. Give me the people, give me the people, the judges. Give me the people who can stop this and make it work less. So the president says he wants the power. He says the very day. He has the power. Saying, yeah. He, well, explain. Where are you at on this? Yeah. Yeah. Let me let me tell you, the president has the power. Matter of fact, 
you know how important this is, issue is to me. I've been to Eagle Pass twice in the last nine months. Um, I, I was down there on the 3rd of January uh, when uh, there were 64 members went down so we could actually talk with the frontline workers on what they're facing and what they're dealing with. And one of the main officers down there explained in great detail that if he would simply have them reinstate, stay in Mexico, that that's an executive order. Mm-hmm. That's what he got rid of. One of the one of the executive orders that Trump got ri- that he got rid of because they were Trump's order. If you would put that in place, seventy percent of the flow coming across would stop automatic, automatic. And all that's doing is is making Mexico do what the international law says to do. Also, and everything that everything that's out there that we put in House Bill Two, okay. Uh, uh, Everything which has been setting for nine months over in the Senate, and Chuck Schumer won't call it, but everything that we put in there were all things that his, that the prior president had as executive orders. Whether it was you know that the, they did not have the catch and release policy, they were building the security wall. They they, they were and, and understand that it doesn't close the border. What it does is it directs people to. One, an opening somewhere where it can be controlled. It doesn't and, – and, Annie, let me tell you this. I, when we were down there, uh, one of the sheriffs said – he said uh, a lot of the people that, that are on, that are friends on the other side of the river are very much frustrated with this mm-hmm. because they legally come over and work, and then some others go over and, 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 and work, and it, it was opened in that way. But they feel like they're being lumped in with the illegals because they are, they are true migrant workers, okay? And and do everything legal. And the frustration that Mexican citizens right there across from Eagle Pass Field are the same same frustrations where these people are parading through. Now understand, what we, we're up to 190 countries that have come across that border. It's wild. It's 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 so it's so negligent. You know, we've asked the president. The press has asked many times. You know, is this a crisis? Same thing with Mayorkas, who is uh, seeking out impeachment. It appears about mm-hmm. crisis. They say it's a challenge. It's semantics. What is it about the border that they won't publicly address? But then you also hear Joe Biden say that he's since the day he came into office, he's been saying, give me the power. I mean, they're so all what over person, this message. What person in this United States does not know that that's not true? He has the power. He had the power that he used when he when he caused the problem in the first place. Let me tell you that one of those uh, the, the the assistant secretary that was down there uh, for the area uh, said, he said, I'm not a partisan. He said, I'm not. He said, I came in during Ronald Reagan, and he says, I've been in with every president since. He said, Ronald Reagan, George Bush the first, uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, George Bush II, uh, uh, um, and then and then Obama. He said all of them did fairly well with giving us the tools we needed, and we could keep under control this border. He said it went really well during Trump, and that's his exact words. He said as soon as Trump left, I'm telling you this place blew up, huh. and and it's because of the policies. That, that were removed that had been put in place by President Trump through executive orders. Like I said, the bill in HR2 that we want passed is just doing nothing but by Congress doing exactly what what those those executive orders did. I want to read to you a couple comments here from people listening, uh, generally not probably going to vote for Republicans in office, but that's our American right to vote for whomever right. we want to choose. Uh, Scooter says Republicans don't want to fix this problem. They want to run on this problem. Is it a crisis or not, Congressman Bost? It is a crisis. 
and and even our Democrat colleagues know it. But how many how many Democrats have you seen from Texas stand down there with us? I mean, I <laughs> this is if if a person can make the comment that they just made, we are trying desperately to fix it. We we sent the bill over. We sent the bill over, like I said, nine months ago. Now the Senate is trying to negotiate some things, but what they're negotiating doesn't fix the problem. And why would you want to pass a bill that doesn't fix the problem? If you want to pass a bill that doesn't fix the problem, then then what you're saying is you really just want to make it political. Then you are running that on you, the problem. Amen. You, you are. You are. We want to fix the problem because this is this is a case where it is affecting every state in our nation, and and we we've, we've got to stop this. And 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 just to watch it continue to happen. And and for someone to question, if you haven't been down to that border and seen what we see, let me tell you that there was a, uh, one of the people that I had lunch with down there. Uh, she and her husband sat her husband sat at one table with a group of, of, of members, and and she sat with us. They have a farm that is the first farm north of Eagle Pass, and, and that's not a farm; it's a ranch. It's about twenty eight hundred acre ranch that they have now quit using because the the illegals are breaking the fences and they what they do is they, they irrigate their ground and and then when the grass comes up then they lease it to cattle to be fed out on it yeah. but they can't keep their fences they have actually had they can't count as many dead bodies that are around their property now wow. that they found over the last couple of years on thanksgiving day because the train comes right through there his, his her brother called out to her and says, "You got to get out to your truck. You got to get a truck." So she goes out to her truck, and in the back there's a blood trail going into the back of the truck. There's a woman in there that had tried to jump the freight train and lost a foot and drug herself over and was laying and had been bleeding for three hours in the back of her truck. This is the type of thing. They've got people breaking into their house. They've actually put a put a they actually put a refrigerator outside with water and soda and beer. Uh, near their back porch so they won't break into the house to try to get food there. They put snack packs out and everything like that. But even then, somebody broke in their house, and whenever they cornered them and said, why'd you break in? They said you had better beer inside. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah, and, and this, is, this is what Joe Biden has invited into this country. It seems to exactly. me like his, his answer, the Democrats' answer to this, this problem, correct me where I'm wrong, is not to stop the people from coming here. It's to streamline the process to get them in. Yeah, yeah, I, I, sure. And, and not only that, when they come in, this, this catch and release policy, you, you, they will take and take you and do the processing through the facility, and then they process you. Then you, they basically haul you somewhere, okay? And then you tell them where you're going. They get you there, and they give you a slip of paper that tells you show up eight years from now at federal court. Hmm. <laughs> this is how crazy this is. Yeah, it's absurd. And, and if you think any of those are going to show up in eight years— yeah, they're not. See, see, the thing is, we first have to stop the bleeding. We, we, we've got to seal the border, and we've got to actually get that under control. But then when we get done with that, can you realize how long it's going to take us to, to track down and, and actually properly <laughs> return uh, the people that have come into the country illegally to the country of origin or the way, they, the way it should be? Because they're not all coming from countries that are, that are seeking amnesty. And, and here's what's really wild, too. We know for a fact now that 70% of them coming across the border are men between ages of 18 and 45, adult men. And, if, and, and they don't count them as the, with that group if they're with their families. Uh -huh. So that's just the single men that come across. That, that is not 
you know, they're not bringing their families. They're, they're coming over by themselves. And now the question is, how many of those are terrorists that we missed with the gotaways? How many of them have other crimes that they've committed? You know, we, we, we catch a lot, but, but, but we lose a lot more. Right. Uh, before we let you go, we're speaking with Congressman Mike Boss, the representative for Illinois' 12th district. Um, I want to get to the Mayorkas portion of this. He wrote yep. a letter to House Homeland Security Committee Chair Mark Green. He said, I assure you that your false ac- accusations do not rattle me and do not divert me from the law enforcement and broader public service mission to which I have devoted most of my career and to which is, I remain let's, devoted. Let, let's be real serious about this. The, in this, he uh, it's very clear that there are laws that he is choosing not to enforce through his agency where he is supposed to ensure ensure that that's and they take an oath to do that. That is a, that's the problem. That's the problem. He he is truly uh, a dereliction of duty, um, and this is very serious. We're taking it serious. I know the chairman is taking it serious. And and if it comes before me, I will support the impeachment. Do you think there are Democrats in the Senate, maybe not enough to actually see the whole thing through, but do you think there are Democrats in the Senate who would be forced to consider a, a vote in favor of this impeachment? I think, I think they would have to be if they were, especially from those border states and Arizona. or those states that, that yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Well, we appreciate I, I think you. I think you'll probably see... Uh, cinema go that way. Yeah, Yeah. it'll be interesting and and an important, I think, an important exercise, especially in election year for people to test where their elected officials are on these most important issues. And I know that you've always been solid on them, Congressman Boss. Thank you for the time today. Thank you, Vanny. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Congressman Mike Boss, Illinois' 12th district, uh, fighting for the people of that 12th district, but ultimately uh, just a common sense guy and always grateful to have him on the show. It is maddening to know the stories of what is taking place in the southern border and to be to, to, to try to be gaslighted so much by the left who wants, you know, the president of the United States. I mean, at the, at the peak level, give me the power. Are you are you serious right now? I mean, the, the executive actions that you flexed your muscles on over the course of the duration of your presidency, but were prioritized in the first 100 days to put us in the position that we're in right now. Uh, Another comment that we got here uh, from Andy said, directs people to an area that can be controlled is the exact thing the right says the wall is for. Yeah, Andy, but when you build a wall and you direct people to come in in one place, you turn them around and send them back when they don't belong here. You don't just grant asylum and turn Border Patrol into paper pushers so that everybody can freely get past that wall into one place. Yeah, the, this proposed bill, if if the numbers coming out are correct, it's somewhere between three and 5,000 people per day before they can shut the border down, before they can shut the border down. So if that's accurate, what that works out to be over 365 days is 1.1 to 1.8 million people before they even act to shut the border down. And that includes... That doesn't include the the gotaways or the unknown gotaways. It doesn't fix anything. All it does will make the situation worse. You have to look at the situation like we're being invaded because we are willfully led by the president of the United States. Yeah, it's 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 I don't know how. Let me Google something here real quick. That's a big word. I got to make sure. Uh, The offense of attempting to overthrow the government of one's country or assisting its enemies in war. That's the definition of treason. Man. You could make an argument. Mm-hmm. An argument could be made. Let's take a quick break. Ryan Wiggins coming back in studio here when we return. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about yesterday's show. 
We'll figure out how he did. I need to know from you guys, how did he do? Because Ryan found out five minutes before he went live that he was hosting the show yesterday. That was impressive. And there are things happening in my household right now, like unspeakable things. And I'm struggling. And Ryan bailed me out yesterday. He said that he takes criticism really well. Should I critique him or just shower him with praise when he comes uh, back? Critique him. I don't know. I really want to shower him with praise because he bailed my butt out yesterday and was very eager to do so. Let's get Ryan back in here. Don't go away. Welcome back. Brad wanted to put this up on the YouTube channel. It says, Grade Ryan's performance, A through F in the chat. Uh, Hunter said, I do have one constructive point for Wiggins. Be better. Or as Melania said, be best. Do you remember that <laughs> dumb initiative? Yeah. Be best. Nah, be sorry. best. Build back better. Build back better is... is also stupid. Also, I mean, <laughs> I, like, how, how, how much of a sucker do you have to be like, that's a lot of bees. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. This well, is, I really like that. This was with the president at the time that everybody was saying was suffering from a stutter. It's like, let's make this his talking point. I think I figured it out. It's so that they could say BBB gives Joe Biden an A+. Plus. Rated and high what with they the meant was Bureau. build back better, not <laughs> the Better Business Bureau. Uh, yesterday, it was 11.55 a.m., and I got a phone call that my sixth grader was in the office I, I think it's funny. She told me the story later. She said she couldn't get warm at school. She was shivering, and she asked one of her friends, do I have a fever? And she's like, you're burning up, Jensen. So she went to the office, and they took her temperature, and she goes, and they made me sit in the sick chair. And I'm like, the sick chair? <laughs> is there a specific, is it like a massage chair? What can, probably not. Oh. It's probably like in a cage. That's yeah. what I would do. If I were those poor office ladies who have to cage. take every sick kid, like just comes up, make sure before you leave, you go sneeze on the secretaries. <laughs> so, but she said the sick chair. So I conjured up a whole bunch of funny images in my head. It's like, I imagine that the point of the sick chair is it's over there. It's over there and it's probably covered in goo and yeah. stuff. It's just disgusting. Never yeah. gets touched. Enter with one disease, leave with four. Yeah. Uh, so she's home today. But I got that phone call at 11.55, and the, the ironic thing was that they called me. They meant to call my husband. They You're supposed to call my husband first, I guess. I think Jared had them do that. Because um, it's he, he's a teacher, so in, in, a, in one way you could say it's easier for him to be. I can't leave. I can't not do the show without getting, from people who care about me, a dozen texts. Hey, where are you? What's going on? And so they accidentally called me. My husband was sick last week. Uh, we went on that family trip, so he had taken several days off. And then he blew two tires on the Jeep because he ran over that bottle. So he had to take a morning off to get that stuff fixed. And it's very difficult in what I do because when I am not here, everybody knows that I'm taking a day off. I can't, like, sneak one by. Well, same here. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. So... But you have to show up for your kids, and it can't always be the responsibility of the other person. So I said, you know what, no, I'm going to come get her. Um, my husband had stuff he needed to do at work, of course, that day, as he does every day. He's a sacrifice. It, it is hard as a parent. I've got four kids myself, but it is hard as a parent to know that you are failing people. You just have to choose who you're not willing to fail that day. And yesterday I wasn't willing to fail my sixth grader. And so at 11.55 a.m., I said, I'll be right there. I went and asked Ryan. And then I went and asked Trisha, is everybody okay with this? And Ryan, you immediately were like, if you need me to do this, I can do it. And it, I was so grateful for that, that you were willing to just step in and do it. 
And so I prepared him. I put down a bunch of notes about what I was going to talk about with Bill Eigel, and then I took those notes. I was going to say, <laughs> I didn't know if you would realize that, yeah. but I said, yeah. you know, give me the rundown of who you're talking to. I, I, I kind of knew because yeah, we talked about the show, but. I didn't know exactly <laughs> what are. was the point of every interview. In my notebook. And, I, and so she's <laughs> scribbling like crazy at 11.55 in Here's what notebook. I was going to do. Here's what I was going to say. I was going to keep it broad. Let him have this yeah. conversation. But yeah. here are the questions. I, here, just, you know, you can go with these. You can do whatever you want. And and I'm I like, great. Them. And she's sending me all kinds of like, hey, I was maybe going to talk about this article. Like, while we're on, you're sending me this I was stuff. trying to send you everything that I had. Yeah. Because every day I have a bucket of stuff. And I was like, here's the bucket. This, no, but that stuff I actually sent you. But that no, the stuff that you were writing though These is notes. usually not a part of that. It's no. for you. It's in your head mostly. It's, I mean, yeah. you might have some notes, but it's mostly like in I, your brain. I wrote down complete sentences for you. If you yeah. were to look at the rest of this notebook of things that I think of during an interview with like Jim Carafano or some legal expert, it's like two words of nonsense and a scribble. And if I write it down, I remember it. Yeah. I don't even yeah. read it. Yeah, totally. I took those notes home with so me. So that notebook, I'm like, <laughs> oh, this will be great because I don't know really what I'm doing right now. And then I we go into Bill Eigel. And I'm like, Brad, where's that notebook? Mm. Oh, no. She <laughs> took the note. She sat here writing all that, and then she took the notebook home. I could see how you might have thought I did that on purpose. I no, did no, not. no. I, I did knew you not. Did. I knew you no, wouldn't was... sit here wasting your time writing that. <laughs> it was very much like, uh-oh. She was in a hurry and scrambling, and she just took it with her. So stupid. I me. think it went fine. Yeah. It's just that it normally going into, especially fill-in hosting, you do a pretty decent amount of homework going into it because you don't want to let people down. You overstudy. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't let me down. You actually saved my butt. I was really grateful for it. And, I mean, it's just an opportunity for me to, to say a testament to this team here. Uh, you know, Brad, Leah, Ryan, me, that's the Annie Fry Show team, but even Trisha. The, there is so much support. There's no drama at the station Amongst, like, I I texted Mark over the weekend. Mark Reardon, and I see him every day. Like, it's just really nice mm-hmm. to be a part of a team that genuinely cares about one another. And I know people, I'd give Ryan a lot of crap. He deserves it, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You would agree? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I give Ryan, I mean, but we're friends. And Ryan really saved my butt yesterday. So a very, very public thank you. Because we've got sickness in our house right now. I took a Friday off a couple weeks ago. I think, did you fill in for me that day too? It was just you two. Yeah, it was you yeah, guys. Yeah. Um, I was off that Friday. Oh, you were off. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan. Again. Was it just me and Leah? And no, I think Elam was here that day. Oh, okay. Well, but I did fill in for you one day recently other than yesterday. It just is, um, it's hard to be a parent and have a career. And my struggle with that is not unique. Every parent out there knows what it's like to just feel like every way you turn, you just are running full speed into brick walls. And it's very stressful. And we've been sick for weeks now, trading it off. I am getting sick again. I can't stop coughing. I actually do better the more I'm talking here. But as soon as I stop, I've got this tickle in my throat that I just can't get out. We took COVID tests. We don't have COVID. So if anyone's worried about that, we don't have that. But... There is just a lot, and you need good people in your life because it does take a village. Again, I don't need the government showing up and providing me with all of my needs because they couldn't possibly ever understand what my needs are. You just need good people in your life. And I've got family watching, sitting with uh, Jensen today and you know, letting the two-year-olds sit or know what's going on in our house and making sure they know, and, and they still 
care enough to say, no, I'll take her. You know, they love her like like we do. And it's just good to have good people. And everybody knows what this struggle is like. It is not unique to me. So if you have a village that has helped you or I implore you to understand if you are part of someone's village, there's so many grandmas and grandpas out there that are picking up the slack, aunts and uncles that step in and support what it means to raise a family. I mean, you've got kids. It's a struggle. I kept saying it yesterday. I'm like, look, here's the deal. Annie had a last minute sick kid call. It's the way every everybody has this stuff happen. We're just on the radio. It's a little different because of that. But that's yeah. it's life. It's yeah. just life. Well, thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Leah. And everyone else. Stick around. Lots coming on in the 2 o'clock hour. We'll be right back. Get more at 971talk.com. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts.